going on? This is the Keegan Stewart Sports Podcast. Happy to be with you today. Thank you for listening to this episode. Really excited about this episode. We're we're getting into the full-fledged Duke versus Texas Tech in Madison Square Garden. What a game that was. And listen, that truly was a big night for Texas Tech despite despite the loss that occurred. It was. It was a big night. It was a special night. If you watched it, if you're in Lubbock, if you're anything associated with Lubbock, if you're a Texas Tech fan, you recognized the specialness of that night despite the loss. You did. It's on ESPN. It's high-profile Madison Square Garden. There's celebrities in the crowd. But then you look up in the crowd, and the majority of the fans there were wearing red. It, It was very neat. It was very special. It was awesome. Chris Level called in. We had an awesome conversation regarding the game, regarding the program, the team, uh, other things to come. We even talked about the Dallas Cowboys a little bit. Going to play that conversation. But what a special night it was for Texas Tech. It it was one of those nights where you kind of realize, hey, Coach Chris Beard has us in a higher profile than we've been in at least, you know, the Bobby Knight times maybe. He has our program at this elite level. He's only in his third year. What, what, what a special thing to think about. What a thing to be proud of as a Texas Tech fan. Coach K from Duke paid his respects. They play a lot like, I'm telling you, when I played 50 years ago at Army for a night. And uh, it was tough to score in the middle against us, and there was no three-point shot. We didn't block any shots, but we took a lot of charges, and and we weren't as good as them. But it, it's old school, really good defense. And Culver's the real deal. You know, he he's the real deal because we we played our butts off to try to stop him, and you know, we we went up and he scored about five straight points. That was like a key moment. Like, could we come back? Because this kid just. Put him on their back, on his back. Really good player, smooth, really smooth. It'd be interesting what he do, like with uh, a true point guard. Uh, you know, and yeah, you know, he's gonna be a pro. Yeah, he's gonna be, he's gonna be a pro. He's, he's, he's good, and looks like he's a great kid. I don't know, but he looks like a good. He'd be a great kid to coach. That's Coach Shashevsky commenting on his thoughts after the Duke-Texas Tech game. Duke ended up winning, but Tech led the majority. It, it really was a fascinating game. Tech had the lead at halftime, despite having 15 offensive turnovers. It speaks to the defense. Uh, spoke to Chris Lovell about it. Excited for everyone to hear his thoughts and his analysis on the situation. Really, really good stuff. So here's the conversation with Chris Level. <laughs> And now joining the Keegan Stewart Sports Podcast, publisher of RedRaiderSports.com. He's also the co-host on Tech Talk Double T 97.3, sideline reporter for Texas Tech football, and also color analyst and broadcaster for Texas Tech basketball on 97.3. Chris Level, thank you for joining the show yet again, sir. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me again, man. Oh, absolutely. It was a lot of fun the first time. I'm, I'm excited to talk to you again, Chris especially, uh, you, you know, you're fresh back from, from the Big Apple. And, and I was very curious to just hear about your experience out there. And, and you know, we're going we're gonna to get to the game and get all up in, get in the details on that. But, but Chris, I was just wondering, can you, can you talk about the, the magic 
uh, of Madison Square Garden and, and also to get to a little bit of the, the amazing attendance from the people of Lubbock making that trip out there to, to New York City. Yeah, Keegan, I, I think there was probably somewhere between three and 4,000 Texas Tech fans there, which was, you know, I, I wasn't, I, I knew there was going to be a pretty decent contingent there, but I was not expecting that. And they obviously made their presence felt. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's just hard to uh, explain like that venue. Um, you know, it, it gets talked about, world's most famous arena, the Mecca. All, all these different things. And, you know, we were talking to some folks that, that worked there and worked college games and worked different events before the Tech game started, and they, they were, you know, very surprised to find out that the game had sold out. It had been on the marquee for about a, a week or so that, it, that there weren't any tickets uh, to be had. I think you could probably get a ticket from a third party or, or a ticket broker or something like that, but there was no tickets uh, to be had just from the, the garden itself. And they just, they were personally excited about it, and Obviously, Duke uh, plays there every year, but it, it's because of the Texas Tech uh, fans, I think, that kind of put it over the top. And, you know, I, I went back and watched the game over and, and just tried to get a feel for how it played out on TV. And it, it just it doesn't come across on just the, the, um, the electricity or the juice in the building from the standpoint of the, these kids are just giving max effort. I mean, they're, they're just. It's just, it's hard to, to when you're just right there up close and you're just watching. I mean, Jimmy Butler sitting in the front row, Trey Young was right there, Zyre Smith is right there. There's all these decision makers for the NBA that are in the building. Uh, we know what Duke is, is about, but it's just everybody giving max effort. And that's why I think that you saw so many, uh, you know, some mistakes and things that were made just because it's just, Again, it's just uh, max effort on everything that you're doing, and, and it's just hard to see that come across, uh, you know, the television screen. But that, there's just no place like it. I mean, I was trying to think of an equivalent to to that building when it sold out, and, and I just don't know if I can come up with one. Um, and it's just it, it's interesting because Texas Tech has played in TD Garden Arena there in Boston versus a sold out. Uh, you know, arena there versus Villanova with all of their fans. Now you've basically done the same thing in New York versus uh, what was about 16,000, 17,000 Duke fans. And, 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 and that's in a span of, of, of about, what, nine months or so uh, from March to December. And it, it's just this program's uh, a lot of fun right now. And uh, they're, they're some of the biggest stages, at least this country has to offer from a basketball standpoint program is a lot of fun right now you mentioned duke plays there every year chris and and the the commentators on espn vital and them mentioned you know hey chris level was interested in playing duke uh not just this year but in previous seasons can you can you just talk about him for a minute and what he means to this program and and how did he get it to where hey all of a sudden hey coach shashevsky's okay with let, let's get texas tech on the schedule this could be beneficial for us as a as either a good a good win or also you know not not a bad loss because of how good their program is just just really impressive where he has our program how how did he get us here in just year three chris yeah you know i, I think coach beard is just he's one of a kind it, it just he, he he's he's one of the smartest people that i know I, I think that you have to understand how good of a coach he is but it's it's not that's not what he's about necessarily. It's all the other things that he understands and realizes and understands culture. He understands stuff like scheduling, understands you know how to market his program around the city and to, to the Texas Tech fan base, which you see some of the things that he does from a social media standpoint. He surrounds himself with really smart, 
uh, quality people. I mean, there's some genius folks on that staff from a basketball standpoint. But he, he was smart enough to know that, you know, th- this is a no-lose situation for, for Texas Tech basketball a couple of years ago when you're trying to – because, you know, I think he's trying to take advantage of, of, of the relationship that Coach Knight had with, with Coach Krzyzewski and, and trying to push through. And I was, uh, I was actually in Austin, Texas last year when they kind of were approached about this being a realistic option from a scheduling standpoint. And, and this was, I think, in mid to late January last year and, and, you know, it's like, okay, I think we have an opportunity to play Duke at the Garden if we want to do it. And, and there, you know, it's kind of some back and forth, like, okay, is this what we want to do? And they ultimately would decide that this was, uh, this was something that they want to do. And if, keep in mind, at the time, you're not thinking that you're going to the Elite Eight. I mean, you just don't realize that. You're not thinking that Zyder Smith is going to, you know, like lead to the NBA after one year. You just don't realize a lot about your program just yet at that time when you schedule this game. And, and obviously you don't know that, that Duke's class would be what it was at the time either. Uh, Zion Williamson had not, he had not uh, signed and committed and all those things with, with Duke and several other members of their class too. But I just think that it was a, it's one of those deals with that, that game and, and that environment and, and all that. That'll pay dividends for this team uh, for the rest of the season because it, it, it's a bad loss. I mean, excuse me, it's a good loss. That makes sense. It's not a bad loss. It's a good one because it doesn't really hurt you per se. And if you'd have gotten the win, you know, obviously it would have just paid huge dividends. But uh, I just think Chris is so, you know, he's just so smart and well-rounded, and he's more than just a, a basketball coach for the city and this program. Yeah, not not a bad loss at all. And I'm I'm curious to see what the ranking will be for Texas Tech uh, as it, as it comes as the next AP poll comes out. Uh, as I'm sure you saw, Chris, Kansas, the number one overall team, lost last night. Duke was number two. I assume they will bump up one spot to one. We'll be curious to see where Tech lands. Transitioning to the game now, Chris, you know, despite the result, despite the loss, you know, this it, it was really a special night for this team. And, and it really felt watching on ESPN, as I said, I wasn't there as you were as you were able to be there. But just watching it on ESPN, it, it felt like a special night for the city of Lubbock. And, and it was just a really neat thing to, to visualize. You know, th- th- this was a game that Texas Tech had the lead for the large majority of it. And, and it really, it's one of those games, you know, where the final score doesn't truly uh, uh, reflect the overall product of the game. C- can we talk about Tech's defense for a moment, Chris? I mean, I, I, really, I really love watching this t- team play defense, and you-, you can't say that about every team in the nation. I love when the ball gets swung to one side of the court, Coach Beard has it instilled in these guys that if that ball gets to the side, they're not going to go back middle. They force side. They force side. If you want to go sideline, that that that's okay with us. Be our guest. We're going to set up and take a charge on you. But can you talk? Can you talk about that scheme? The uniqueness of that scheme, not letting it go back middle, and just how talented and disciplined this team is on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and that's something that uh, Coach Krzyzewski talked about after the game was that, you know, hey, going back to whenever I was in Army and, and all those things and playing against the Coach Knight team and all that stuff, and he was like, they just don't allow you to kind of talk about it being old school. But that, that's the genius of Mark Adams. I think that that's, you know, Coach Beard and, and Coach Adams have kind of put this together, and it is. It's just you just keep guys on the side. You don't allow them to get middle. Uh, you know, and, and here's the, the, the key part about this particular team is that some of these new pieces – you know, like Matt Moody and Tariq Owens and Kyler Edwards, they bought into this culture from that standpoint very early on. And, and that's why this is working, because you can scheme it up all you want. And 
tell kids what they're supposed to do and, and all that. But you know, when you see when you see Davide Moretti step up and take a charge on Zion Williamson, who outweighs him what by about a hundred pounds at least, and, and then that's just kind of you, you play for each other. And you know, they, they step up, they take charges. There, there's help side defense. You have a rim protector and, and a guy like Tariq Owens now that you haven't really had a, a true guy like that in, in, in a good long while. You're missing somebody like Zaire Smith that can guard basically any position on the floor, but I think you replace that with somebody that can really protect the rim, that can kind of clean up the mess if somebody does get middle, and he can kind of come backside and help block some shots. But yeah, but that this is just what they do. And if you don't, if you don't guard, you're not going to play. I mean, that's just the bottom line. If you don't, you make a mistake. If you don't rotate over, if you don't communicate, if if you, if you don't move your feet, you don't show your hands on defense, you don't do some of these things. There's just not a lot of minutes for you to be had, and that's why somebody, you know, Deshaun Corker is another guy that's stepped up and, and been able to uh, to give you a 15 to 17 minutes a night. But that's the beauty of of this particular team so far, anyway. Is that some of these guys are new and they've bought in already, and that's that's rare because that team last year they played together for for several years and they were hungry and, and this and that. So um, the, the fact that some of these new pieces have bought into the culture of what you do defensively is, is special, and we'll see how, how far they can keep it going. Uh, but that, that defense is going to keep them in a lot of games this year if, if they guard like they have so far. I'm talking with Chris Level on the Keegan Stewart Sports Podcast. Yeah, they're going to keep them in a lot of games. Chris, I've never seen a team with 15 turnovers at halftime but yet still winning the game. I mean, how remarkable was that? Yeah, well, that's that's kind of you know like a, uh, amazing in one way, and then just very frustrating in another. Because you just wonder what it would have been had you had you you been able to take care of the ball. I, I you know, and, and I know that fans were frustrated, and, and like you kind of watch it on. Because I, I went back and watched it after I got home uh, back in Lubbock, and and it, it's just you know, you're a little sloppier with the ball. But again, Duke has a lot to do with that. I think the environment and the stage has a lot to do with that. That you're just not real crisp with things. And, 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 you know, Jarrett Culver was having to do a lot. And he, he had five or six of those turnovers himself. And, and, and the one guy that's really got to do a better job of taking care of the ball is, is Matt Mooney. You know, he's just, that's just, he had a bad turnover game versus Abilene Christian back here in the throwback game. He, he had another bad turnover game uh, versus uh, Duke. But he, he, he's a fun kid to watch, and he's going to have the ball in his hands quite a bit because he, in one one way, he'll turn the ball over, and something you're like, man, that's uncharacteristic. But the next thing you know, he's handling the ball and, and knifing through the defense and finishing with a reverse layup. You know, but yeah, I mean, if you'd have just eliminated some of those mistakes, I think you could have hung in there. But just part of that is is because of Duke. Trey Jones is one of the best on ball defenders I think in college basketball. I, I know Texas Tech went into that game saying. If Jones is on you when you're bringing the ball up, we want it out of his hands, whoever that tech player is, and we're not even going to mess with that pressure just because he's so good. And he still ended up with, I think, five or six steals on the night. But that's just how, how good he is and how much respect he is. And he's the one freshman that, that really probably played the best that night for Duke, and he was the one that nobody was talking about much coming into the game because he's not the potential lottery pick. He's certainly a projected late first-rounder. Uh, if he were to come out, but you know, it's just again, I think that he had a lot to do with uh, your your issues and uh, your turnovers. But yeah, you, you played well enough to have a lead at half. You you mentioned Jarrett Culver briefly, and, and I'm sure you and you and Jeff Haxton were raving about about him on the radio, and just as just as Dick Vitale was on on ESPN. It felt like a, it felt like a different night. 
for Culver at the end of it, and it, it felt like it was something special. Can, can you try to put into words just how big of a night it was for Culver? And, and I'm not just talking about the 25 points. I'm talking about further uh, futuristic type things. What, what all did this night mean from, from the Lubbock local, Jarrett Culver? My, well, my, money. That, that, that's what it meant. I mean, he, he made himself a ton of money. I mean, that, that's, that, that's just the business of, of, of the, this. Well, when you talk about guys like him, I mean, he was on a huge stage with so many NBA folks in the stands. He was able to hit shots. He was able to create. He was able to rebound um, and, and just do some different things and score at all three levels. I, I just think his stock, you know, rose right there. And, I mean, I just think he... he he was able to earn himself quite a bit of money uh, the other night. If, if you just want to be blunt about it, I, I think that he's got not much of a decision to make if this keeps up uh, after the season. And you're talking, you're talking lottery pick here, but that's just the reality of it. So I think that uh, you know, I I hope people are, are enjoying watching him. And, and the best part about Jared is that he is the most humble guy you would ever meet. I mean, the, the, and, and maybe even more humble than Zaire Smith, which is I didn't, I, didn't, I thought it was impossible. These two kids, they don't say much to anybody. They just play for their team. They get it done. They never complain about anything. They're first to the meeting room. They're first to watch film. They're first to – and it's it's all paying off. But Jarrett, you know, I think he did himself a lot of good personally. Uh, and, and he didn't want to talk about that after the game was over. He just wanted to talk about the fact that his team didn't win and we didn't play well enough and, and this and that. But I think if, if we're talking about what it meant for him, uh, I just think it, it, it was a big night for, for Jarrett Kohler personally from, from what it will look like uh, after the season's over when he has a decision to make and NBA folks start looking at him because you, know, you could do it against, let's call it what it is, he, he was doing that against other NBA guys. And that's, that's what, you know, what, what decision makers want to see. Um, and, and there was, I think, at least 12 guys that really called the shots for NBA programs or NBA teams uh, in the building that night, and that that says pretty much all you want to know uh, about what kind of night Culver had. Chris, did you get a chance to catch up with Zaire? Any any uh, last week? I saw he was there. I don't know if he uh, left right after the game or if you had a chance to check in on him. We, we spoke. Yes, uh, he he was sitting about four or five feet down from me. He was there and uh, keeping to himself and very unassuming as, as he's always uh, always is. And I think he's ready to to get back out there and. And, and play. It's funny because they try to get him to wear some tech stuff, but he can't uh, because of his, his contract with Puma. Uh, so it's funny because, I mean, he's, again, it's a business at that, at that next level. He's got, a, he's got a big, fancy contract with Puma, and so he couldn't wear any tech-to-tech gear because it had Under Armour all over it. So I thought that was, I was giving him a hard time about that, but that's, uh, that's just the reality of where he's at. But uh, we, we didn't have uh, much to talk uh, or say to each other at all just because uh, the game was about to get started when I finally noticed he was over there, but uh, did speak to him and uh, wished he well. I know he's ready to get back out there for uh, for the 76ers uh, at some point very, very soon. Yeah, and all of us in Lubbock are looking forward to that, for that moment for him. You know, Chris, going into this season, and you and I spoke in April after the after the Elite Eight run, uh, we we didn't imagine that this that this year's Texas Tech team uh, would would fill the shoes of last year's. You know, the Elite Eight run is, is, a, is a very high pedestal to get to. And look, there's a lot of ball to be played. We haven't even entered Big 12 League competition yet. But, but this, this team already feels like, like better than what, they, what we thought they might be. Uh, their potential feels higher. And, and, and a lot of that is, hey, playing the number two, number one best team in the nation toe-to-toe 
for you know, for a, a long period of time. Uh, can you compare this this year's team to last year's team? Can you also talk about some some big Big Twelve expectations? How you're seeing this thing play out? I know uh, a lot of the non-conference play isn't as strong in the Big Twelve. Tech has one of the stronger non-conference schedules, which is really cool. But but how do you see this thing playing out? Yeah, you know, Keegan, I, I don't think the Big Twelve is quite as good this year as it was last year. Uh, that may help Texas Tech from the standpoint of they may not have to be as good as they were last year to do as much damage in the league this year. Kansas is clearly the best team. Uh, I think with the injury to Dean Wade and Kansas State, they kind of, you know, you, you kind of wonder West Virginia is not as good as anybody thought. Oklahoma has been cer- certainly a surprise. But, you know, the, the one thing this team is still g- going to miss is, is that killer instinct at the end of a game. And, and this was technically the first true road game, and it wasn't really a true road game because you're not playing at Cameron Indoor, but it, it felt like a road game, obviously. But you, you haven't played uh, in, in anybody else's arena just yet. And so I, that, that's the part that we haven't really seen what what you know what they're going to be capable of. And, and they're going to miss, at some point, they're going to miss Keaton Evans' ability to create hit shots and get to the free throw line at the end of games. You, you just are. I mean, that, and that's a tip of the cap to how good Keenan was. He was an elite college basketball player and is going to end up being one of the best guys that's ever come through here when we remember back to what he was able to do last year. And, and, and the thing about this year's team, that you kind of the one flaw that, that really showed up the other night, and we, we haven't seen many teams be able to take advantage of it just yet, but, but you're, you're going to start to get into that, is what happens when, when another team takes Culver away? Who, who steps up? Who can score for you? Who can create? Who can get to the free throw line? Where, where does the offense come from when Culver can't score or uh, somebody says, you know, we're going to double him, we're going to take him away, and once he gives it up, we're not going to let him catch it again. But who is that guy? Is it Mooney? Is it, is, it, uh, is it Brandon Francis who you need to get going? Is it, is it Tariq Owens? I mean, is it just, there, there's a plenty of, uh, you know, Kyler Edwards is another option, but we haven't seen those guys just do it just yet. You're about to see, after this uh, UT Rio Grande Valley game, uh, you know, this coming Friday, I mean, you're in Morgantown, you face Kansas State, you face Oklahoma, you face Texas. I mean, bam, bam, I mean, just right out of the gate in those first four conference games. And all of those teams, like on paper anyway, uh, they have a good, what, net ranking, they have a good RPI ranking, and, and there's been some losses for, for West Virginia and, and Texas in the non-conference. But, you know, I, I can just tell you, Texas Tech hasn't, they haven't won in Austin since 96. They haven't won in Morgantown since the Big 12 started. So, you know, the, the, those are those are the kind of venues that if you want to, you know, be as good as or eclipse what you were last year, you got to figure out a way to win on the road and go win in some of those places. So, uh, but but I think to your point, Keegan, that they they clearly exceeded my expectations uh, thus far, and and they've managed their non-conference schedule exactly how you needed to because it, it put themselves in a position for another NCAA tournament berth because they took care of uh, business in Miami against Memphis. And it gets Kansas City or in Kansas City versus uh, uh, Nebraska and USC. That they did, and and those were the big ones. Those were the the wins that jumped them into the top twenty-five, where they've been able to maintain where they're at right now. Uh, shifting gears for a moment, moment, Chris, I wanted to ask you this question: If if say at the end of Patrick Mahomes' senior year at Texas Tech, I told you, listen, all right, in, in two years. That guy right there is going to be the front runner for NFL MVP. You would tell me what? <laughs> yeah, I, I probably wouldn't have. I thought that would have probably been a little bit uh, of a reach. Um, 
You know, I mean, I think most people would have. I'm not surprised with what he's doing. I guess I'm surprised at how quickly it's happened and how easy he makes it look at times. Um, I think that he's got a great situation there in Kansas City with Andy Reid. I think there's a lot of college concepts that they've used and the skill around him is certainly uh, as good as there is in the NFL, and it certainly was with Kareem Hunt was still playing for the Chiefs. But I just think people kind of see the genius of what Pat was all about, and it's just a shame that there was a better defense around him here because it, well, we saw this magic all the time. And, and I, it's funny because I thought you were about to ask me something different because whenever you see Pat go in the top ten, I, I never would have thought here's, – here's where I thought you were going. I never would have thought that you would see uh, a, a tech basketball player picked in, in the lottery. Uh, you may see back-to-back years where a tech basketball player picked in the lottery. And then Josh Young for tech baseball is probably a, a preseason player of the year candidate, and he's going to be a top ten pick for, for, for baseball. So – it's just amazing the kind of guys we're seeing come through this uh, program right, right now in the city. But, yeah, Pat, Pat is – I mean, there's a lot of Chiefs fans in Lubbock, Texas right now, and rightfully so. Oh, yeah, Mahomes jerseys everywhere you go, Chris. Any any tech sporting event, you're going to see lots of Chiefs jerseys. Uh, before before I let you go, Chris, I, I have to ask you, we didn't talk about this in April, but are you, are you a Dallas Cowboys fan? Absolutely. Grew up in uh, the Metroplex. Uh, my grandfather used to have season tickets to Texas Stadium and – uh, nice to see them finally clinch and uh, get to the uh, playoffs for the win of the NFC East for what the third time in five years. So it, it, it's never easy with the Cowboys, right? But uh, <laughs> that's they right. Out a way, they figured out a way to get it done. Man, I I feel like this team has the potential to really make some noise if if we can find some offensive consistency if we can really just take take the lid off of our offense and just start hitting people with all the different punches that we have I don't think we've done that in one game this season maybe the Jacksonville game we opened it up a little bit but that was that was so long ago and now we've gone on this win streak I still don't think we've opened it up Chris I I'm, I think we can and I think we need to if we want to get past that wild card spot, but it's sure going to be interesting. I'm curious your thoughts. Yeah, you know, they just got to be better in the red zone. I think that, you know, I like when they run Prescott a little bit more than what they have. You know, obviously he scores on the touchdown versus Tampa to kind of, you know, break the seal on the red zone woes and all that. But, I, you know, they have to they have to trust. Here's one of my issues. Since you get Amari Cooper and we've seen what he was able to do, at some point, you have to just when you see him in one-on-one situations, you gotta throw it up to him. Let let him go be a playmaker for you, and trust that he's gonna win some of those 50-50 balls. Because it, it seems like Prescott, you know, he, he he wants to make sure he's open before he, he really goes that way. And sometimes, man, those guys are good enough to where he doesn't have to necessarily be open to to make a play for you. You you have to trust a a skilled playmaker like that, and I think that would go a long way. Is just just kind of targeting him more. Um, it would open up things for for Zeke a little bit and all that. But, uh, yeah, Scott Linehan needs to figure some things out in the red zone. But they could do some damage. Uh, I, if I'm if I'm Dallas, I'm not sure that I put Zeke Elliott out there next week. I would probably let him rest up and, and just because I know he's battered and bruised and all those things. I don't want to say you give up on next week, but uh, Zeke Elliott would be my concern for next week and, and getting any more mileage on the, on those tires of his because he, he is uh, giving you about all he's got in the last six or seven weeks. I, I agree. I, I would go ahead and put Zeke on the sideline next week. <laughs> he's he's getting a little bit hobbled up every week, it, it appears to us. So, yeah, I, I, I think that would be the right call. 
Chris Level, I really appreciate the time, sir. I appreciate you you taking the time to join me on the Keegan Stewart Sports Podcast. The tech, the tech insights are wonderful. I really appreciate it. And, and hey, I'd like to do it again in March, uh, come tournament time, if you're willing. Hey, bring it on, man. Uh, Keegan, appreciate you having me on. You do a great job. And Merry Christmas to you and your family, my man. Thank you, Chris. Merry, Merry Christmas. God bless, sir. Have a good one. Yes, sir. Thank you. That is Chris Level. Uh, catch him on uh, Tech Talk Double T 97.3. Also look for him. Hey, what, you want to listen to the Texas Tech basketball game, not able to make it out to, out to the game in Lubbock? Check him out on uh, 97.3 as well. He does a great job on the color commentary there. Chris Level. Great guest. Always love hearing from him. Really good insights. He's as wrapped up and involved in the Texas Tech program as anybody. I hope that everybody has a Merry Christmas and uh, be safe on your travels. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe on Apple. Uh, you can listen there. You can listen on keganstewart.com. Look for me on Twitter, not Keeg Stew. Hope everyone has a Merry Christmas. God bless.